How great is God? Not only did He create all these wonderful things that we sang about, yet He loved His creation so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to pay a horrible price to pay our debt of sin, a debt we can never pay. How great is God? Thank you for being here this morning. It's been a wonderful service so far. The, the songs have been moving. Thank you for the prayer this morning. Consequence comes when we do things. There's always things that follow up what we do. A consequence is a result or effect of an action or condition. You know, many times we think of a consequence as a negative thing. You know, I remember growing up, you know, anytime you did something wrong, well, there's consequences for that. There's consequences for, for your actions. And most of the time, you know, we think of those things as negative things. But they're not always negative. They're unintended consequences. The unintended consequences and outcomes that are not the ones foreseen and intended by purposeful action. We hear a lot about this. We hear about this in politics and, and different kinds of things where they do something and not realize later the consequences of that. But you know, sometimes those consequences are, are good. They're not always bad. Sometimes even better things come out of what we do. But, we, you know, we learn this as a child. You know, I remember uh, I was probably eight years old growing up in the 70s. And I got a gift from my parents, a pair of walkie-talkies. And man, I'm telling you, these—it had the emergency call. It had the—it had the the Morse code mode. I mean, it was something. And a couple of my friends could get together, and we could play with those walkie-talkies. And boy, we used our imagination. That was something that, you know, that, that kids use before all the video games and cell phones and stuff. <laughs> but you know, one time I had a, had a couple of cousins that was coming over the house. Bob and Connie could probably back me up on this. But they were coming over and, and I, I decided it would be in my best interest if I hid those. So I hid them underneath a, some chest of drawers in my room and, you know, and they were safe. You know, it wasn't a very nice thing to do. It was a selfish thing for me to do. I shouldn't have done that. And you know, a consequence of that, I forgot. And I went a long time not having a clue. Where did I put those? Where did we play with them last? Where are those things? And I went a long time without them. But you know, sometime later, and I can't remember if I was cleaning, having to clean my room or moving furniture or looking for something else, but I found them. But you know, there's an unintended consequence for me hiding those. I certainly did not intend to have them out of sight and out of mind for the next few months and not get to play with this incredible walkie-talkies that I was given. But and also an unintended consequence of cleaning my room or whatever it was looking for something else is I found them. There's positive and negative. You know, we, see, we, we take prescription drugs. We see, we see commercials on television about prescription drugs and the good things we'll do. And then there's a, a list, as long as my arm, about the negative side effects that also come with that. 
We think about aspirin. You know, the invention of aspirin was a wonderful thing. It was invented to, uh, uh, to uh, ease pain. What they found out later was it also it was an inflammatory. It also uh, thins the blood. It, it's very beneficial for heart attack victims and you know, prevent strokes and things like that. Take it every day, as my doctor uh, you know, tells me to. So there's good and, there's good and bad things, good and bad consequences. About 33, 34 years ago, I went to a wedding. My brother Doug, Tanya, said, there's this girl we want you to meet. Okay. So I went and met the girl. Unattended consequence of that. About 34 years later from that point, she was my wife. We have children and been married nearly 30 years now. It's not what I intended when I went to that wedding. Just this week, at school, my job. It's kind of a hard week. Friday was a hard day. And I was pretty keyed up with everything that was going on, and I, I needed to go visit with a young lady, and I pulled her out in the hall, and I visited with her, you know, the way that I needed to. I, I didn't intend to be harsh or short or anything. I got a call after school from a mother. She was so upset with how I spoke to her. I did not intend that. Did not intend it. But I was so keyed up and emotional and whatever at the time with everything that was going on. I portrayed myself in a, in a, in a negative way and now I've got to repair you know, what, you know, the things that I've said. I don't think I said anything wrong, but it was just the way you know, I, that I said it. Unintended consequences. There are always consequences for our actions. Unexpected side effects, sometimes positive, and sometimes negative. We think about some examples of those. You know, one that comes to mind is Daniel. In Daniel chapter 6, we can read how King Darius was a, was a ruler of Babylon. There was leaders appointed under Darius. I believe it was three presidents under him, and then there were princes underneath them. And Daniel was one of those leaders. And he was thought very highly, more than all the other leaders, was Darius thought of him. And of course, this brought on jealousy by the others. So these others get together and they want to find some charge against Daniel to take care of this. Of course, Daniel was a God-fearing and God-loving man and, and they don't find anything. And they can't find anybody to charge him with anything. So they come up with a plan. We're going to go flatter the king into making some decree. So they go to the king and they tell him how great he is and you know, people you know, need to recognize this. And, and they convince him into making a decree, a decree that no one can petition, can petition any god or man other than the king for 30 days. Well, Daniel, being the righteous man that he was, continues to pray to God as he always did. And the leaders catch him just as they intended to. But the king favors Daniel, likes Daniel. The king is very upset with himself because he's got tricked into doing this. But he knows that he has to follow through with this decree. So Daniel is put into the lion's den and it's sealed until the morning. 
king had a miserable night, worried about Daniel, wondering what's going to happen. The next morning, he goes to check on Daniel, and he finds Daniel safe. Daniel gives glory to God. King Darius gives glory to God. The accusers and their families are cast into the den. It says all their bones were broken into pieces. King Darius gives another decree. This time it's made so that the whole kingdom will fear the God of Daniel. And we see that Daniel prospers throughout the reign of Darius. Think about all the plots, the plot twists that we see in this story. We have this naive king that's forced to follow a rule that he doesn't want, but he gets flattered into it and starts thinking highly of himself and thinks it's a good idea and does this thing that he thinks is just going to bring glory to himself, but it brings unintended consequences. Daniel, he's thrown into the lion's den for doing what is right. Bad guys, well, they're killed by the lions rather than the one intended. The king then makes a decree that all will fear God, and Daniel's better off now than he was before. All kinds of unintended consequences happen in this story. What about the prodigal son in Luke, the 15th chapter? We know it well. There are two sons, the younger asks his father for his inheritance. He wants to go into a far country, and we find that he, waste, that he wasted his substance on riotous living. What was his intentions? He wants to get this lump sum of money, and then he wants to go somewhere else where he can do whatever he wants to do, sow his wild oats, engage in whatever sin he wants to, you know, I don't know what, what his long-term plans was. Maybe he thought, well, things will work out and I'll, I'll get a good job there and things are going to be great. I don't know what all his intentions were, but we know he wanted to go have a, have a good time, he thought. But there are unintended consequences with that. We find that he spent everything. He wasted everything. And now there's a famine in the land and he finds himself in want. He's poor. He's hungry. He gets a job feeding pigs. About the lowliest thing that a Jew could do. And he's so hungry, he, he, he would like to eat the pig's food, but nobody gives him anything. But then we know that he came to himself. Have you ever came to yourself? I know I have. He came to himself. And he thinks, you know, I, I'll go home. And I'll ask my father, if he'll just give me a job, just, just make me one of the hired servants. I don't deserve it. He knew he didn't deserve it. He was humbled. But yet he knows that at least the servants back at my father's house, they at least have a warm place to sleep, dry, food. So that's what he does. What the young son finds is the unexpected consequences of repentance. He goes home to his father, hoping for the very least, probably expecting the very worst, and what he receives is the very best. His father wants him back. His father was looking down the road 
wanting him back. He sees him a long ways off. Scripture says he had compassion on him. It means that he loved him and he felt sorry for him. We see that he hugged him and he kissed him. And the son makes his confession to his father. The father sends for a robe, shoes, and a ring, kills the fatted calf, and begins to celebrate his son that's returned. But that's not the end of the story. It's a wonderful thing that the son came back and the father was loved him and freely received him. But there were still unintended consequences from that sin. The effect that it had on others. The effect that it had on the older brother. The elder brother's working in the field like he's expected to do. As he comes home, he hears, sees a celebration going on, asks another servant, what's going on here? After hearing the reason of the celebration, he becomes angry, refuses to go in. He's mad, he's jealous of the good treatment that his brother has received after he's just gone off and, and wasted everything, partying and living in lasciviousness. But the father told the other brother, he said, Thou art ever with me, and all that I have is yours. It was the right thing to do, to be glad and to celebrate. Your father, your brother, was dead, and he's alive again. He's lost. Now he's found. This parable has been given hope to sinners and stumbling Christians for 2,000 years. And it continues to. Yet we see the harsh reality of unintended consequences. The younger brother's sin had a terrible effect on his brother. Our sin has a terrible effect on our siblings. Our sin has a terrible effect on our parents. Our sin has a terrible effect on our children, on our friends, on our brothers and sisters in Christ on co-workers, on people we don't even know. Unintended consequences. There's a harsh reality that comes with sin. Yet, the other side of that coin, there's a beauty and there's a blessedness of righteousness and doing what's right. Proverbs 21 and verse 21 says, He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness, in honor. Life here is talking about this earthly life. What we receive in this life, walking around on this earth. Righteousness here means a saved state, being right in the sight of God. Honor, being thought well of. And of course, an eternal reward later. But when we follow after righteousness, we find righteousness but we find so much more. There's unintended consequences of following after righteousness. That's life and honor as well as righteousness. Positive unintended consequences are wonderful things. We think about the effect that living righteously has on other people, especially those that we're closest to. It has unintended consequences for the church. 
1 Corinthians 9, verses 1 and 2 says, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them at Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked many. So Paul had gone around trying to gather, trying to gather help for the poor, suffering people in Jerusalem where there was famine going on. And he tells them there that Achaia is already ready for this and what they're doing, the funds that they had gathered, is provoking very many. Other congregations were following their lead, being influenced by this. And there were more gatherings coming for those poor saints at Jerusalem. This congregation does and can have a great influence on the church the worldwide when all of us are doing our part and take advantage of the things that we can do. You know, we can visit other congregations, visit meetings, and develop uh, bonds and relationships with, with other brothers and sisters from every congregation and, and, and be great influences on others as well as allowing their influence to be great for us. And the church continue to grow and flourish worldwide. And those we're closest to. There are positive unintended consequences. 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2. It says, Likewise you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. You know, there here in the first century church, um, people, you know, a spouse might obey the gospel while the other one hasn't. And here was encouragement. Saying, you keep doing, wives, as you should. You obey your husband. You live this chaste life. You live a righteous life. And the effect on your husband can be great. Of course, that can certainly happen today. There are, Christian, there are Christians that have spouses or children or parents, people they're very, very close to that are struggling. Maybe not in the church. Maybe they've never obeyed the gospel. Continue to do what you can. Continue to live a life righteous in hopes that you can be that influence that you need to be. They can have wonderful consequences. This chapter goes on and talks about how a Christian should live, how a Christian should talk, the things that a Christian should do. And then in verse 15, and this verse seems to find its way, it seems like, into nearly every sermon I give. But I think it is so important to the growth of the church, to the growth of us as individuals, for evangelism, after listing of these things, of, of what Christians should say and do, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. You see, when we do these things, when we live these righteous things, not righteous lives, we're not only just doing it because we love God and fear Him and it's a commandment to do it, but the great influence it is on other people. 
when we do these things, people will ask. When we face difficulties and we remain you know, positive and, and upbeat and doing the things, trusting God, living a faithful life despite difficult circumstances, the world around us knows, knows that and realizes that. No wonder, why are you keeping it together? Why do you have such faith? Why do you go to church so often? Why do you work so hard at not talking mean or using curse and abusive language and cuss words? And Why do you do these things? And now a key to that is for us to be ready. Ready with an answer. And prepared to give an answer of the hope that lies within us. And it's not that we have to have all the Scripture memorized to be able to do this. If you've obeyed the gospel and you love Jesus and you love God, you have enough to tell them, hey, there's a reason. I've obeyed the gospel. I'm a child of God. Jesus died for me and He did for you. Come go to church with me. See the blessings that I've received from my brothers and sisters in Christ. We can answer and we can be ready to. And there can be great unintended consequences for a righteous living. Certainly for our children, this has been a thought for a lot of sermons and a lot of people here recently, and I'm going to continue it. It's a wonderful blessing that we have all these young families and, and so many little ones on the way. Proverbs 17 and 6, Children's children are crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. I'm not a grandparent yet, but I've seen a lot of grandparents dealing with their grandchildren, and I, I can see what a joy that that is. And I've seen the joy that my children's grandparents have give to their grandparents. The glory of children are their fathers. Fathers, parents, we have that direct influence, the, mo the first and probably the most important influence that's going to be in our child's life. It's a mother and a father. And it's a glory when they grow up, when they're taught, trained in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and they do those things. It's a blessing and it's a generational blessing. I'm so thankful for my parents and what they taught me. I'm thankful for the things that my granny and papa taught my mama because she taught me. We need to make sure that continues because there's a generation where it doesn't. Proverbs 30 and 11 says, There's a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. It can stop at any time. It may be with rebellious children even though they're taught. Or it may be because they're not taught. We can't let that happen. Proverbs 29 and 15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. I see so many young kids that's just, just left to themselves. Little ones, especially junior high kids that I deal with every day, their parents just leave them to themselves. They're not ready for that. They can't handle that. 
We need to train them and we need to teach them. Because there's very negative consequences when we fail to do that. Some negative consequences. James, the fourth chapter, beginning in verse 1. It says, From whence comes wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. You know, we cannot have it both ways. We can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God. It just, it just doesn't work. The closer we get to one, the further away we get to the other. If we're going to be a friend of the world, we're going to be the enemy of God. And nobody wants to be the enemy of God. But if we desire evil things, the results will be strife, discontentment, an unhappy life, and if we never change, if we never repent, if we never become the friend of God, those consequences will be eternal. Proverbs 25, beginning in verse 26, says, A righteous man falling down before the wicked is as a troubled fountain and a corrupt spring. It is, good to eat. it is not good to eat much honey, so for men to search their own glory is not glory. Troubled here means foul by stomping or treading. I'm reminded of dove hunting when I was a kid. And you'd sit around uh, you know, some dirt tank on a, on a ranch and you'd wait for the birds to come in. And I remember being hot out there and looking at that water, boy, it's clean and clear and just, boy, I'm, I'm ready to jump in there. But you know, here would come some cattle. They'd come to drink and they'd wallow through there and then all that crystal clear water is now brown and green and murky and you're not so interested in jumping in there, certainly not drinking it. A righteous man can ruin what's really, really good with one mistake. A good reputation that you've worked hard to build. Influence that you've worked hard to build, and those things take time, can be ruined in an instant. Spring that's intended to be a blessing to other people and bring forth good water, if it's corrupt, if it's bitter, if it's poisonous, it's of no value. And that can happen when a righteous person sins. We don't understand and always realize the far-reaching consequences of those things. David, when he saw Bathsheba bathing, at that time he wasn't thinking 
Well, I'm going to do this, but I realize that I'm going to have to uh, kill her husband because she's married, even though he's a, he's a great military leader for me, but I, I'm going to have to have him killed. There's going to be an, an, an un, un, unwanted, unexpected, unintended child that's going to be involved here. And that child's going to lose its life. David didn't think about all those things. He saw Bathsheba and he gave in. And he suffered greatly for those things. Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the, shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You reap what you sow, don't you? You know, this is, a plot, this is a, the... the the example here is, is the plant world. We know how the plant world, world works. But the very same thing happens with our bodies and our spirits. We can control what we sow. We cannot control what we reap. Both good and bad. When we do good things, when we live righteous lives, we have no idea the wonderful blessings that come with that for ourselves and for those around us. But when we sow to the flesh, or the flesh reap corruption. David thought for a moment of pleasure, had no idea what that sin would reap. Romans 6 and 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning or, or considers in sin and says, You know, I'm thinking death. Nobody does that. I'm going to commit this sin. It's going to result in death, but I'm going to do it. We don't think that, do we? We think it's not going to be that big a deal. We think it's just going to be one time. We think it's, we're going to get over this quickly. Nobody's going to know. There's not going to be consequences for that. Sin will take you farther than you intend to go. It'll cost you more than you intended to pay. And it'll keep you longer than you intended to stay. saw this quote a few weeks ago. It's not mine. And I don't know whose it is. But I thought it was powerful. Sin will take and cost and keep. That's what it does. That's what it does to lives. You'll think you're just going to do this, but it takes you all the way over here. You think it's not going to cost anything or just a little bit, and it costs you so much more. You think you're just going to dip your toe in and test the water, and you end up jumping in and staying there too long.
It's not what we intend, is it? But you know, we have a father. We have a father that's looking down the road. We have a father that wants us to come home. We have a father that wants to forgive us. We have a father that has all these unintended consequences that he wants to freely bestow on us when we repent. What a wonderful blessing it is. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, beginning in verse 17, it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Be, <clears throat> but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Sin can cause us to become callous without feeling he described these unbelieving Gentiles. Past feeling. And at that point, they would just give themselves over to lasciviousness. That's unbridled lust and excess. Maybe not what's intended because that's a miserable, sad life. But that's what will come when we start playing with sin. It'll take us too far. It'll cost us too much. And it'll keep us too long. John, the 15th chapter. Jesus said, I am the vine and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. When we abide in Jesus, when we stay close, we're the fruitful, working Christians that we're intended to be. And we bear fruit. And it's fruit we don't even tend to produce. We're going to abide in Christ because of the love that God has for us. And the love that Jesus has shown through us and, and dying for us. And paying that debt of sin. But the blessings and the unintended consequences and the far-reaching things that come from that. We can't even fathom the good the good life that it creates. But apart from the vine, what is a branch? It can't survive. It dries up. It's withered. It's burned. You know that one talent man, he didn't intend to be cast into darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. What he thought was, I'm just going to do nothing. And I think they'll be okay.
There are unintended consequences for not abiding in the vine. And there's wonderful unintended consequences for abiding in the vine. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His, to his purpose. We don't always know how things are going to go. It doesn't mean that things are always going to go our way or that they're going to be easy, but we knew that, do know that when we love God, all things are going to be all right. Because the unintended consequences are going to be good for us. Especially, especially eternally. The verse that we begin with. He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness, and honor. If we follow righteousness, we'll find righteousness. But we'll also find so much more. Are you dealing with unintended consequences this morning? Is your heart heavy? Have you gone too far? Has it cost too much? Have you stayed too long? You have a father that's looking down the road, ready to hug you, ready to kiss you, rather ready to give you those unintended consequences that come from repentance. And they're better than you can ever imagine. Maybe you've never obeyed the gospel. You don't have a relationship with that father. We invite you to come forward. Repent of your past life. Confess Christ before this audience. Be baptized in the name of Christ for the remission of sins. And, and have that Father be yours. And if you've struggled and you need to come back to your Father, please come as we stand and sing.